0: Kids all across the land. There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand.
1: Hey, welcome to Culturally Bias, where we discuss everything in the culture for the culture by the culture. I go by the name of Shiz Penn. It's your boy O. Episode thirty. 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 Give me the basketball player for episode thirty. You gotta use the chef, Steph Curry. It's having a phenomenal series. Uh, it's one
2: game, cuz Relax.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> right. Phenomenal playoff run. Hype shit. When he turned it on, he turned it on. Anyway, games, uh, we back off of uh, just me and O going back and forth. So we got a guest in the building this week. Right. Um, going to change the conversation up, get back to giving some information back to the culture. We have an educator in the building. Yes. Um, someone has been giving back to our youth for many years. Um, And then we're going to have a conversation about education. So without further ado, um, can can you introduce yourself, young lady?
0: What's up, peoples? My name is Angela Crawford. I am a teacher at Martin Luther King High School in Philly. Um, This is my 23rd year of teaching, and um, I'm an activist. I'm an organizer. I'm all about fighting for uh, black and brown students and making sure that we have educational justice. Um, and also humanizing practices in schools.
1: Hey, hey, can we get the hand claps, Ray? Hey! You had to say it. <laughs> need a, a hit right there. He was on it, cuz. Right at the educational justice. I need them, I need them hand claps to come out. He was on it, bro. Um, so I think we wanted to open up the conversation with, um, you spent a lot of time in teaching 23 years, that's a lot of time. Um, the current state of, I guess, the public school system. Do you think we're in a, a good a, a, a good place from where we were, let's say 10 years ago, or is it declining? Because I'm, I'm saying from somebody that's removed like 15 years from high school.
0: Um, being in this game for as long as I've been, I don't think that we are definitely not improving. Um, We are definitely declining. Um, Back in, I was at Germantown when they closed. So that year they closed 23 schools, um, 30 altogether, but 20 of them was in the northwest region of Philadelphia. Um, We're moving backwards, we keep cutting um, resources in terms of cash and people, um, and really basically just. Okay, just really not giving a damn about black and brown children all over the city, Um, just to say the least. We are in a place where um, we're ready to blame everybody else except the system. We blame parents, we blame neighborhoods, we blame violence, we blame, you know, all of these things take a part, but no one looks at the system. And you pouring money into a system or having a school like a turnaround network um, saying that we give extra money, but extra money to what? Nobody's asking the right questions. Um, the people who are making the decisions are removed. And do y'all really know that they're hiring like data scientists? People have never been in the classroom to make decisions about education. So there's an associate superintendent in the district who is an accountant by trade. So how can you tell me, come into my classroom and tell me what best practices are? And you've never done what I've done. Right. So I don't care what you see on paper, but I'm here feet to the ground with these kids every single day mm-hmm. listening to all of your trauma, you know, just being there to provide um, emotional support, educational support, mental support. And you want to tell me about, you know, what you need for numbers. Right. So we, we take these numbers and we remove it from the people, which also demoralizes and dehumanizes um, our children.
1: Absolutely. Cause you're just looking at numbers. So, the students that's being affected doesn't even matter as long as you get the the numbers dictate the results you're looking for. Accurate. Um, okay. That was a lot. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, uh, I, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I had an idea, but I didn't think it was that no, bad. That's
2: kind of rough, man. We've both been pretty much far removed from school. I don't even know how, I can't tell you when I graduated. Oh, 2000, I graduated in 2000. And um, it was, it when was, well, I went to Northeast, and it was uh, I don't know I just was there just to get by you know, mm-hmm. but um, how do you feel how you feel about the the curriculum and what we're actually teaching our kids right now? Um. And can it help us? Can it help our kids in the future?
0: Hell no, um, it can't. Um, it's not relevant. It's not culturally responsive. It's not culturally relevant, and it's really um, dictated by neoliberal corporate in America who tells you what we want to see in these numbers. So if we're expecting a system who does not value black people to teach us, then it's like you're asking your oppressors to teach you how to win the game. It's never going to happen. happen. So the curriculum doesn't happen. So we need to have, um, shout out to Melanated Educators Collective, um, which is a group that I co-founded, From out the Caucus of Working Educators, and we are like an affinity group of melanated educators, and we we go hard and we go radical and we fight for um, our black and brown students. And you know what I do is this year I was teaching English three, um, but I put a twist to the whole curriculum. So I teach all black kids, Mm -hmm. so we learn in all black. So we learn English three through um, an African American experience. Um, I had a student teacher this year. 21-year-old white girl from Long Island, you know, attending school in Philly. Mm-hmm. And she was my student teacher. And I was not changing anything about my curriculum. Right. So she had to read Martin Malcolm and Me by James Cone. She had to talk, re- study um, Marcus Garvey and Martin Delaney and talk about, you know, um, um, theology, liberation, and such. And my kids was looking like, you don't want to say change the subject? we not... No, we're not changing the subject right. because 88% of new teachers coming in are white and female. So I would say to my kids, mm-hmm. you're going to be parents at one point. Who's going to teach your child? Right. She's going to teach your child. So what do you want her to teach? Do you want her to teach, you know, by Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman that has nothing to do with us or right. we'll help us get by? Um or we can talk about some too, some Claude Anderson and learn about some Pyramics. So we can do these different things. And they say, Oh, I ain't think about it that way. Right. So we have gotten everybody brainwashed into thinking that schools and people who are running schools have truly have the best interest for our children yeah. and they absolutely do not. It is um power play just because everything is political, mm-hmm. including education. So no, the curriculum is not set up. For our children, Black History Month and you learning about Martin Luther King and Rosa Park, um, and Frederick Douglass just for a moment of time mm-hmm. does not help help us at all. So
1: That grinds my gears, like when they <laughs> give you like the 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 four all stars of black people to do yeah. studies on, like, okay, who are we gonna do? Frederick Douglass, Markman, like like the kids have learned this since they were in first yeah. grade. Like these same gonna, characters have popped keep up. Teaching these, teaching these right, same you teach things the same thing, so you're never learning yeah. anything new. Um, so the ideal curriculum that you would see, because like it's weird that we do all this stuff around standardized testing and stuff like that, and a lot of our students are probably not equipped to, you know, based on the way the education system up for further post college or. Mm-hmm. Should we be focused more on a environment that allows them to work in hands-on environments, whether it's uh, coding, um, I would hate to say automotive, or a trade program where it's like an HVAC program, carpentry program, to give them a skill. Coding is a skill because, like, you don't necessarily need a college degree to right. code, and you can consult for anyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, what I think we need is a more holistic um, curriculum. Stop thinking everybody's going to college because they're not. Right. You know. So my son is an automotive diesel tech. He went to trade school for that, and you know, that's, and that's great. My youngest son is in college, and my daughter is an entrepreneur. She's a fashion designer. So you you can find your success in your passion or whatever you want to do. Right. But you have to first give opportunities for them to explore what they want to do. Um, I think yes, all of those things are bringing uh, vocational vocational trades back, coding, uh, teaching, um, investment, financial planning. Um, you definitely still need the writing skills because our kids can't write. Yep. Um still and need um, critical reading and critical thinking skills and not just like can you answer this for a test um or is the should I do any mini mighty, mo and pick which answer on this multiple choice test to take but some real like in depth you know thought process. So um but I also do believe that in order to know where you're going, you gotta know who you are. Yes. Right. And because our system is designed to teach us that we only come in history as slaves, so therefore we're already devaluing ourselves and taught to hate ourselves. So we definitely have to make sure that that uh, self worth and self esteem piece is in education. But also, you know, I'm gonna teach you how to cook. Cause I'm gonna teach you how to budget your money. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna teach you how to fix your car. I'm gonna teach you how to do some basic plumbing so you could buy a house. And if your sink breaks, you have to call a plumber. Absolutely. Like some basic things. So I think it needs to be comprehensive, but also holistic to, com- you know, compromise um, all of these aspects of what we really do in real life, right. like everyday living. Like how do we do this?
1: I would like to see even like from the agriculture aspect. Like you, when you think about it, like farming. I can't use the land. Like, you know, right. with, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. Like, I can't grow anything. Like, so if push came and shove, I couldn't grow a tomato today mm-hmm. or tomorrow. And that's pretty sad when you think about it, like, from the stuff that I took. Like, I mean, you took keyboarding. Like, yeah, I'm on a computer every day. I can figure out how to use a keyboard. Like, that was a class? Yeah. Because I was going to be, what, a secretary? So, like, <laughs> the correlation for some of the... the the courses that you're given doesn't even make sense with, like, the real, with our experience anyway. Right. Um, and then I think this notion of pushing students to college, like you say, with your son, him um, going into a trade, I think we need to push that or make that seem like, put push that to the forefront because, like, he's be out into the workforce a lot sooner than this most of these students, at least from our community, go to college, mess around for mm-hmm. three years, accumulate a bunch of debt, come home with no degree, or they pick the major that doesn't have high earning power. Right. This young man is already in the workforce, established as a mechanic, and he may earn more than most uh, grads coming right out of school. And didn't acquire a lot of debt. Didn't acquire a lot of debt in the process. Like You, you coming out that joint But I mean, 60 think these, grand. You know, I think about these schools, like these schools push you to go to college and you're just gambling. Okay, so that's what it really is. Let's that,
0: that's, that's just put all this in perspective. There we right? go. Right? So, in, in this country, what is idolized um, and maintained? is white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. So I'm going to push kids to college because then that means that I continue to perpetuate capitalism. Mm-hmm. So let's call that what it is. Mm-hmm. And we know that's the game. So once we, we understand the game, we know how to navigate. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to college or being an academic because I love learning and, you know, I'm, I'm back in school myself But that's not for everybody. But I also have certain other trades. I'm also a herbalist, too, right? So I I pick those things. And I'm also a personal trainer. And I do Reiki and I do yoga. And I can do all of those other things that I'm trained to do as well. So we also know that in this day and age, you got to have multiple streams of income to make that thing work. But it also helps everything that I do. Um, at some point, it's interconnected, right? right? So if we eat right, we can think right. If we eat right, we're physically active and we're not being succumbed to the um, ills that most of you know black our black community are plagued with, Absolutely. right? Um Then we also, and I'm going to go back to thinking right, because when we eat all this processed food, we like going into a sunken place.
1: No, you probably right. being like a fog.
0: Right. You're in a fog. you in a sunken place. So you can't even see the game that's played on you every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, or they setting you up and making it sound good, but you getting played. So, you know, back in the day was this a phrase they say, stay sucker free. But people don't know what that means or how to do with that. And that happens through a thought process, but the thought happens with starts too, like with like with diet right exactly. it also starts with not being on all these chemicals and, and, and medicines and and all the stuff that's being sprayed so knowing how to grow our own foods is definitely important because people walking around eating watermelon there's no black no seeds you know, so if I'm you're crazy. eating fruit with no season, what are you eating you're wow. eating Frankenstein fruit yep. so you know we got to be able to get to a place where we're educating the black community not just with education In terms of academics, but education in terms of food, healthcare, um, reproductive justice, um, violence, because all these things are perpetuated to maintain the status quo.
2: Absolutely. So, um, as far as extracurricular activities after school, how is that now in the public school system? There is none.
0: Right. So you said I covered in sports. I know you went to. I went to Northeast for three years, and um, shout out to Kazai, who's my girl from MEC, teaches at Northeast now. Um, yeah, um, at certain schools, there's a lot of EC. So at Northeast, um, I know like Kaziya is in charge of like BSU, and they have extracurricular activities. But then also look at the diversity of the from student the school, population. Right. So therefore, mm-hmm. is, is a little bit more. Right. Um, like I'm at MLK. And, you know, sports is, is our thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's gotten to the point that even when you try to introduce an extracurricular, the kids are like, what is that? Because this is weird. Right. So we have like an HYY media program, but it's like less than five kids who are in it. So they could learn how to use the camera, make films. Like at my class, we were doing filmmaking. But they could extend that in the after school piece. So we've got to brainwash these children not to even want to be a part of those because they're so used to not having them available mm-hmm. that when somebody says something about an extra curriculum, you look looking at them like, this, you're doing the most. Because <laughs> right. it's not normal. Right. When it was normal for us, definitely going to school. For sure. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's definitely crazy. That's tough. So, all right, this may sound harsh, right? But I have a thing against sports. And not in a, not in a bad way, I'm all for sports. But I am so tired of seeing people that look like me pushing for their child to make it through sports. Because I think that's like uh, that's like playing roulette and putting all your money on black. Mm-hmm. Um, your child is just, you know, listen, I think, you know, the NBA is 1%. It's just like the rich in the world. Mm-hmm. So why are we betting on this one? this one way out when there's a number of different ways to get out of this system and to operate with you know, I think you like you said, learning the system is the quickest way to get out of the system, without even thinking you need to have a bunch of wealth mm-hmm. um, to remove yourself from the system. Well,
0: I, I think there's two ways our community thinks they're going to get out of break the cycle, right? Sports, and everybody to be a rapper, right? Everybody that's got bars. That's true. These. That's not the one. I everybody hate. got bars
3: <laughs> not and not going right. to sleep. <laughs> right.
0: Everyone got sleep bars when I did. and everybody <laughs> I and everybody the saying. ball. Um, because I know where our children are, nat- you know, naturally gifted athletically, but our kids are also naturally gifted at math and at science and at all these other things when given an opportunity. So the same parents who are on the football field, on the track field, and on the sidelines in the basketball court, or getting mad when the the coach don't put your kid in and you rah, 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 you need to come up to the school, you need to go up to the school board and still be able to advocate and fight for your kid. Because our kids should be, they should have coding programs in every school. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they're not available they are. Our kids should have opportunities to be involved in engineering and STEM-type programs in every school, not just because your demographic in your school is diversified. Speed, yeah. And so if it's diversified, then we can offer it to those children. But schools that are, are predominantly black and brown, mm, you know, they're not into it. Um, they can't do it and all this other stuff. So I do I, I agree with you um, because even some of those parents who are rah-rah for their their kids in sports. Um, I I don't see those kids in class, and then they right. trying to figure out. You know, it's fourth marking period. Gray's about to go in. Miss, what can I do? You can you give me a packet? Nothing. Nothing. You didn't do anything. And, right. And I have a a pet peeve about packets because you have a number of educators who give out some worksheets, staple together, you fill this in. And then all of a sudden you miraculously passed or you got a B or an A on your report card but you don't know nothing because you filled out some packets or right. you did some multiple choice in a packet. And
2: my, mom, my mom used to always say, it's <laughs> something you ain't learned all year all year round. How you going to learn that in the last couple it, days or exactly, school?
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly.
1: But yeah. it's the same reason where it's like the same reason why you would fall back the following year because you didn't learn anything. That's the reason why like the school year is based upon hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of learning hours.
0: Right. So you can perpetuate the same thing. So if I know that I didn't really do any work first market period, second, third market period, fourth market period, I did some work. I, I hustled. I was a little hungry. Then I passed. Then next year, I'm not doing no work first, second, third market period because again, we keep repeating this cycle. And that's the setup. And parents, parents, please stop falling for the okey-doke like my kid don't have no homework. Then you need to walk up and figure out what's going on. What right. is my child learning? Because yeah. you got to come to back-to-school night. you got to come to parent-report card night. But don't just come and listen. Come and ask those critical questions. Like, what, what's your relationship with my child? Right. What exactly are right. you teaching? How are you teaching them to be critical thinkers and critical consumers out in the world? Don't just hear, because I hear you know, teachers talking about, oh, well, my child's behavior Okay.
1: We shouldn't even talk about that. I expect him to behave. Right. right. Well, but
0: the behavior is also happening because you keep passing me these workshops, these worksheets. So if you just it's want me to do this work. worksheet, right. then I'm I'm bored, lady. I'm not doing right. this. I'm about to cut up. So now you have a problem for me because you are undervaluing and underappreciating who I am and all my greatness. So right. I'm gonna cut up. That,
2: that's I got, a good uh, point. Uh, uh, we that was my main my main thing that I wanted to discuss the parent the parent relationship with the students. But before that, do you think um, they like they should offer like a uh, a class for credit for kids to uh, for the kids for the students?
1: Oh, like so, financial literacy? Yeah, oh,
2: okay. basically. Yeah.
0: So um, I suppose we're moving to twelfth grade next year. So I'm in my twist of my English four, uh, financial literacy is, is in there. Investments is in there um, because I, you send the kids out to the world and they asking me how you know, Miss, I just got a job and how I cash my check. Right, and, you I know, crazy. Oh, right, um, miss, I got this application, can you help me fill this out? Or miss what this mean on this application? Or, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm.
3: when,
0: you know, I know as a parent and having three, you know, adult children at this point, these are questions like I know they have to ask and if I don't have anyone at home to ask, where am I learning this from? Right. Like, okay, I got this debit card, what do I do with it? And how does it actually work? Or they offered me this credit card at college.
2: They're waiting for you. And now
0: I'm happy because you know what? They are waiting for you. I'm about to <laughs> get juicy at the mall. I'm going to be dripping, right? Yep. So I gotta... now I have all this debt again, <laughs> yeah. right? And I can't pay for it. Yeah. So none of those conversations are happening. So to to, I think those classes are needed. Right. But I also need to talk about like who we hiring in schools right. and um, why the demand for black educators, and not just, because folk ain't always kinfolk,
3: Absolutely.
0: but yeah. hi, But the need to hire black educators who are very much aware of our struggle and our fight yeah. and have walked through many of the same struggles that our students walk, is so important that we get more of those educators in the classroom. Right. So that's why I'm talking to this young man over here, like, mm-hmm. I need him to come and be a teacher, right? right? So he already working with the kids, just crossed on over, because what happens is, we need, we need you in the classroom. Right. Um, they need you in the classroom. Because, again, I said 88% of new teachers coming in are white and female. They come from the suburban district who can't understand, and we understand the historical racial implications of white women. White women cry and then the whole world wants to listen. Yep. So you as black men, or our black students sit in the classroom, if you seem too big, if you too dark, if you seem too aggressive, you too loud, then now they're fearful of you. So yeah. now we're about to walk into this system of pushing you through the school-to-prison pipeline, which then goes into this mass incarceration, yada, 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 right. pattern. So all of that is real, and even picking our educators so that we know what to teach, how to teach. Because if we did... And we go back before Brown versus Board when we have black communities and everybody lived in the community. Mm-hmm. So if I seen you walking down the street and I knew you do well in the tusks and I'm like, yo, Sean, that's what's up. You got a 100 in your tusks, right. Right? right? Well, you see me at the corner store and you was the pastor because churches at that time was big, right, mm-hmm. in our communities. And you see me and you was like, oh, I like what you did at that basketball game. All of these things are important in nurturing and developing our children, right. so we need our village back. Absolutely. so we definitely need you in a, we need you in the class absolutely.
1: so um, to piggyback on that, um, because I think it's it's a correlation between like so going to college I went to I graduated from Penn. I got to college, and like my mind was blown. And literally, I was a kid that acted out in school because I was never challenged. Like, I felt like the work was too easy. Like, this is crazy. Right Now it's time for me to just start trouble because, like, I knocked out your worksheet. Let's get to it. Um, But then I get to college. And it's like, oh, you got to really think. Yeah. Mind blown. Because, like, I I don't know how to think. (laughs) I don't know how to study because I never had to do that because I found the work easy all the way through. Like, nobody in my household, nobody checked my homework since I was in, like, sixth grade. Me neither. Like, it wasn't no checking (laughs) your homework. No checking um, your homework. We only cared if you got in trouble and I had to leave work yeah. and come up there. Other than that, like, you good. Yeah, because my mom
2: used to be like, if I got to come up there to school, I'm going to be your ass in front of the whole classroom. And we understand the situations <laughs> that
1: was like, the situation that they was in where I was like, you put me in a tight spot if yeah. I got to leave work to come get you. Um, but then I get to college and I'm like, yo, I am not. I wasn't ready. Yeah, And it took me like a year to figure out college. But I watched, like, it was a class that I came in with, and I went to a state school. And, you know, they bring us up there because, like, hey, you know, we need some diversity. Right. Got to hit these numbers. We need some diversity. I say we came up doing, like, 300. And, I mean, they wiped out, like, 70% of them within, like, the first year.
3: Because
1: mm-hmm. you're just not prepared for mm-hmm. that environment. You have Let too much do. freedom. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, I, you, know, you know, I hate to say it. I've seen it. Like, you get the refund check. You go grab work. Mm-hmm. You up here. Mm-hmm. Start your little... Em- <laughs> You start your little cartel, mm-hmm. and school is just like completely out.
2: That's the last mm-hmm. thing you worry about, cuz. Mm-hmm. You
1: got your work. You mm-hmm. So and, and I've been to y'all We, are, we are, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: nowhere near prepared for that world that we walk into.
0: You can't be prepared when somebody's giving you packets. Um, and that's my whole argument, right? So, um, like I said, I've been in this game for a long time. I'm in contact with... Many of my students, even from 23 years ago, they're like they like 35, 36 now. I'm still in contact with them. They're still in contact with me. Um, I just had some kids who graduated last week that I taught them when they was in eighth grade. Um, and, you know, I know what I put into them. Like, I know I'm mommy, auntie in school. I, right. I know that. Um, but it's always about this thinking. So when even I was teaching, I did 15 years in middle school. So even when I was teaching middle school, you know, miss, this work is too hard. Your The expectations that you want for these kids is too much. And I said, no, these kids have to know how to think. Yeah. They, they have to know how to write. You can't just tell me the answer is blue, but why is it blue? <laughs> <Right>. just, <laughs> justify why right. it's blue. And so when we get to high school, it's the same thing. You know, so like my kids this year are complaining because um, their final assessment is basically, um, it's double spaced. So I want them, it's like 1,500 words. But I broke out these uh, sections of reflection papers, cause I want you to tell me, reflect upon your year, not just in our class, but school overall. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about, you know, um, them and, and their intersections of life of race, class, gender, social economics, and how they fit in, the, fit in the world, and how they navigate. And the things that we read and the things we talked about and learned. So I want to hear the reflection paper. I don't really need to give you, you know, questions on. Cause when we read a of second market period, like I love the book great, but I don't need to give you like all these questions to answer. Mm -hmm. But I want you to take everything that we we've learned this year and tell me what you got from this. Right. Right. So, you know, I know that's like a college level paper, but that's what I expect from my 11th graders. And even if it's not in the same detail of a college student, I want them to be able to think and reflect about, you know, this was presented to me, um, does it change the way I look at the world? Does it change the way I think? Does it change the way I move? You know, how is this different from the rest of my, my academic, you know, uh, history? Like, I really want them to pull all these pieces together and synthesize that information. And I know that's a higher thinking skill, but that's my expectation. But they know that. And the first day I come in, you know, I, um, I tell them, there's no pass in my class unless you think. Right. I'm not, there's no, I think all of y'all are beautiful, Think y'all cute, but I'm not passing nobody on cuteness. I need you right. level, to think. But the level,
1: the expectation that you're placing upon them can be correlated in the real world post your classroom. Absolutely. Because when you important. go to
0: work, somebody's saying, listen, this is what I need done. Yeah. It's due do by the thing. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I just I need, need this you to done. Figure out.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so I'm glad you said that because when I, um, we did a film project or a lot of times when I give projects, I tell you, these are the parameters. You figure out how you want to give it to mm-hmm. me. And they have no imagination or creativity because everybody tells them what to do, you know, step by step. And I, if I wanted that, I could just find that same picture on the Internet, right, right? That I had in mind. But here's the parameters. I want you to figure out how you want to present this. If it's a movie, if it's a dialogue, if it's, you know, however you want to present it, just make sure that you put the parameters, the expectations inside of that. Right. And that's difficult for our kids to do because people aren't challenging them to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you got to let them be creative. You got to let them um, imagine. There's so, so much technology that, you know, talking about, you know, little kids on the phone all day, they don't have a concept of what's what. So Smartphones we
1: make people stupid.
0: Yeah. Exactly, because, you know, when we were little, we were making forts and stuff, and yeah. we had mm-hmm. our little men and dolls and stuff. We had a stuff, bunch and, of sticks, and it and was sticks, a whole world. And you had a whole world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm having those conversations with students today. They're like, there's nobody going to do that. I'm like, who doesn't make forts and tents no more? Everybody did that with a blanket, right? So, like, where's your imagination? And, yeah, all this technology has...
1: But that also can affect, I guess, scope of the world. Because your world is only limited to what you see, see right? Because right. I think people correlate their life too much to what they see on these phones. Like, mm-hmm. social media is not real, right? Right. But you can believe it's real, and you're like, oh, man, I got to get, you know, I need a, a a Rolls Royce. And, like, you don't need none of that to be happy, but that's what they see, and that's happy, what's placed mm-hmm. in front of them. Absolutely. Proper so, um, sidebar, this might not be something you can help with um, in your day-to-day teaching. But how do we stop this epidemic of, Spending seven thousand dollars on high school proms.
0: You know that's a good question because um, people like people are like, well, it's my kid, and um, I want them to be fabulous, and it's the same reason why they go out big. But well, they may not get married, so I'm gonna spend it now. And I've heard parents, I've heard adults say this. That's crazy. But they may that not, is not is get crazy. married, so I'm gonna do it now. I I like it's
2: it's it's, it's <laughs> like it's crazy because it's like. The two things that they celebrate hugely in the black community is uh baby showers. They're so extravagant and proms. It's like it's ridiculous. Like we don't care about weddings anymore and we don't care about uh like the graduation or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just
1: But no, if we invested that seven thousand dollars into your child's education, yeah. He could possibly have a full ride somewhere. Ooh, well you know what? I'm
0: now I'm gonna add to that piece. So there are parents Fill out the FAFSA form. Please fill out the FAFSA form. Yes. Even if your kid gets a scholarship, you got to fill out the FAFSA form. So this stuff that I don't want nobody in my business, they in your business anyway. <laughs> Regardless, so stop. It, I've had kids who've lost six, seven scholarships full rides because parents wouldn't fill out FAFSA forms. Just but ignorance. you're spending out $7,000 and all this crazy money on primes. Fill out the FAFSA form so your kid can go to school, right? If that's what they want to do... And they yeah. can get a free ride and you don't have to pay out your pocket. You just need to fill out the FAFSA form. Fill out the damn FAFSA form. And it is so hard to get parents to fill out the FAFSA. You would think that, if I, you know, regardless scholarship or not, you broke, so you won't get some money for your kid. Right. So stop acting like, you know, you got Jay-Z and Bays money, and you got tax <laughs> shelters, and you got money in Switzerland and <laughs> they stuff like worry about that. do that right. acting crazy. Right. Stop playing and fill out these forms so your kids can get the grants and the scholarship monies that, you know, is afforded to them. You've been paying taxes, so let it come back to your kid. But fill out the damn FAFSA form. That's my PSA announcement on that FAFSA. Okay. I got,
2: I got, uh... <laughs> I got, uh, I got, uh I know when I was coming up in uh, my middle school, like, my elementary and my middle school days, I was one. I was a bad kid. Like I'm not even gonna lie, I was bad. I gave teachers a hard time. I don't know if it was uh, like I had a, my father passed away when I was like maybe ten, and I just was just a bad kid. I used, I was one of those kids that tell my mom no, I ain't got no homework, and cause my mom worked night shift, so it was like she she was worried about more so keeping the lights on and stuff like that, so. I always would say, "Mom, if the teacher like will call home, i would be like, man, that teacher lying, Mom.' She'll and and my thing with that is, how do you feel about how do you feel about those relationships, like the teacher, the parent, and the student?
0: Um, so you know, like I, my, I'm basically raised from a single mom and, uh, and a grandmom to help out. I think we all had those stories. Um, I think one thing that was kind of like um, that you mentioned that we never talk about and the schools are not equipped to deal with nor do they seem like they wanna deal with with it. they say they will but on the action side they're not. It's trauma. Right. So yeah. your dad passing at ten, you know, adults have a hard time with, with yeah. you know grieving. So how do they expect the ten year old to grieve and figure out come to school and so called be, you know, well behaved even though you, you don't know like why you're questioning, like why my dad, why this happened, what I'm gonna do, all these things are going through your head, and nobody has addressed that, and you know, no fault to parents because sometimes we just don't know because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we gotta make sure you you know our kids are eating, you got a roof over your head, and we trying to balance out life too. But mom probably needed some counseling too because right. still you, grieving. And she's still sure. grieving because I lost my husband. So what am I to do? So all of this trauma is is front and center in schools. Front right. and center. Um and we're not making time for that. We're not right. making it's not even it's not even on a um, agenda. At the beginning of this school year, um four I think it was four kids that I knew of in uh, the King's catchment area were had been killed. Wow. We came back uh like the week of August thirteenth for PD. The whole week I'm peeved because I'm waiting. I'm sorry, the next day somebody must be saying something about right. trauma. They, we get to Friday, nobody says something. So now I'm speaking out because you we done talked about everything under the sun, about what should be on your board, and about data walls, and about standardized testing, and about what the school rules are. But nobody has addressed that these four killings and two of them affected students that went yeah. to our school, but nobody addressed that. And then... You know, during out the school year, I got kids like, oh, such and such, he went here last year, he was killed. And you you know, I'm I'm acting out. And then when they act out against a, an adult, then everybody wants World War Three to break out, but you didn't even catch what was the effect of why this kid just acted right. out that way. Had you had a relationship or known or even bothered to ask, you could have found out. That my homie was just killed last night, right? Right. And I don't know how I, I don't, you know, I'm I'm just acting out because I don't know what to do, right? Um, We have to do a better job with trauma. We have to do a better job in our communities with trauma. Black folks, it's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to get a therapist because we need we need the help. Change Um, my life, right? Because living living while black. Is a trauma itself. Right. So, and on top of the things that's happening in our communities with the violence and things of that nature um, that we think is normal, these things are not normal. But when you walk into a store and you follow it or you pulled over by a cop and you, you got to sweat to know if, if you're going to make it alive or that, is the cop going to kill you or beat you up right. or do I have a hoodie on? You know, am I walking in the wrong neighborhood? Am I gonna get shot? Yeah. Like we, this, this is trauma. You know yeah. what I mean. So, you know, and like I said, my kids are grown, and even they're out, I'm still in my head like, are y'all all right? Yeah. Tell my oldest, don't you know my youngest son, take the hood off when you drive, and don't have that music blasting because right. it's you're, trying, but you're doing what you can to protect them because you want yeah. your child right. to Cause home. Like, at the end of that. I want you to come. I want you to come home <laughs> and. You know this is real, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't have to be, but it is what it, it is. You know, at this time, so we have to do a better job as a community. Um, Black healing, radical healing, is essential. It's, it's not optional. It shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't be questioned. It should just happen, and it should be. And we need to have real um, trauma-informed practices for teachers because they need to deal with their own trauma, right? Right. And so they can help deal children deal with their trauma. But as a school, as teachers, as a community, it needs to be in every single school because our right. kids, our people are hurt. Right. And we have to be able to deal with
2: that. Yeah. Do we uh how do uh, as you I, I can I get the point like you're a really great teacher. How is uh how do you think the uh what do you think the parents weigh in with this as far as like uh are they, they are can't? they doing are they doing a good job as a parent sending their kids to school or they like to just uh, you deal with my kids for eight hours, six hours eight hours
0: I th- or I th- I putting th- their it, problems
2: on you basically
0: no I think it's it's a lot like w- with with experience is shared here like you know your mom just trying to make make ends meet right. so, to feed you um, you know making sure like your homework is done trying to trying to raise you to be the best person that they know how to be. Right. Um, like, I'm the first person in my family to go to college, so it was just, you know, I had just people in my life that was like, my mom didn't, like, really push me to go to college. Right. But it was also expectation like, C's don't work here, right? Right. Um, so this is going to be a problem. And even though my dad wasn't in my life on a daily basis, education was important. My grandmother education was important because she had to stop going to school in the sixth grade um, because she had to help raised her two younger sisters who graduated high school and I think she felt some type of way about that too. So it was always like, you know, my nickname was a kid was Pumpkin. Pumpkin you gotta go to school, you gotta get your education, you gotta get go go. So it was always kinda like pumped in for me to do that, you know. Um, but I know that there was trauma like, you know, there was domestic violence in my household which which led to a split. So that was trauma, but there was balance. So I think mm-hmm. parents Traumatized parents do the best that they can. Right. But I know traumatized parents also want the best for their children. Right. Regardless. Um, and a lot of times they could come to schools for help, and they can't get help until their kid is already in the system. Right. They see their son or their daughter going wayward, and they come, they come to the schools begging and pleading, and, and there's nothing available to them until their kid gets some type of record, juvenile record. Right. Then we can do X, Y, and Z. But there's nothing to help them. Before that. So, I'm not at the belief that um, most parents, uh, most black, I am at the belief that most black parents want what's best for their children. Right. There's always going to be a minority that kind of fits in for other reasons. Some people may be just more traumatized than the other, and they don't know how to, to give to a child or something of that nature, right? But I don't really wholeheartedly believe that anybody is like, you know, I, even though I heard, like, miss, they with you, so when they with you is on you. I, I've heard that too, but I don't really Shut think up. that's coming from a place But she
1: might not even know that, process. like, yeah, she yeah. Don't, she just don't know, like, I, you know, it's a relief when they with you, because I, I, do yeah. right. I, right. I don't know what to do to with do it. Because I I don't know what to do with it. And back. then you can look at it, like, you know, every environment's a little bit different, but you think about it, as, like, some of these environments are a little bit worse where, you know, I mean, you look at, like, some of these single moms and the situations, like, I think we should give our black... I think our black women always need more praise because like, what they make do with... like, I'd be like, damn, you got by on that? And I'm like, I couldn't... I don't know know how you made that work. They so much stronger than that. (laughs) How do you make that work? I don't know. But they made it work. But let me spin this another way. What role does these food deserts play in our students being able to get the proper education? Because I think it plays a bigger role than... We acknowledge. Um, our children come to school hungry. When they get to school, they're not offered a nutritious meal. And then, I hate to say it, but, like, after school, you know, some of them are going home to no meal. Well,
0: that's true. Um, and then they have policies where if they stop to get a breakfast sandwich in the morning, they can't bring it in the building. And wow. that's that's some whole other wow. foolishness, right? Um, I think food deserts play a... a unfortunately, a drastic um, effect on our children um, that you see when them black bags come out. It's um, hot Fritos, iced teas, Mm -hmm. honey buns, everything that doesn't offer them Anything worthwhile. It,
1: it just drives me crazy, like, driving by, and you see a kid at the bus stop, and he's just eating a bag of chips at, like, 7.30. I'm like, how?
0: But, but you know, again, everything is very much intentional, and everything Absolutely. is very political. So, when you have these um, these these bodegas in the corner stores, or coffee stores, or whatever you want to call them... Um, every place. All these fast food places, every place. Because you don't see all this in the suburbs. No, you see this all. There's zero food. fast food. There's zero yeah. corner stores. Right. So when they're intentionally placed in the black community, because it provides cheap um, nutrients, junk, nu- and nutrient, lacking nutrients, dense food. Um, so again, it makes a correlation that you're eating a bunch of chemicals. So I don't know if y'all familiar with Codex Alimentarius that came out in 1999. It was the. It's the I am th-
1: not bring me up to speed, though. Please. <laughs> so
0: it's basically the um, the FDA and the uh, World Health Organization's um, plan to kill off a billion people through food. Wow. And so Codex Alimentarius, you can look it up. I think it was came out in 1999. So when you look at these corner stores and everything that comes out these black 19. bags,
1: it is through the, the not, FDA. Don't I mean, hope. I know yeah. the FDA is a little yeah. wild, but I'm saying
0: through the <laughs> FDA. Huh? Yeah, don't, don't think the government got your back. No, I know FDA. that. I mean, yeah. they work with. I mean, right. the yeah. FDA yeah. is run by FDA. Tyson and uh, right. Purdue. The <laughs> FDA and the World Health Organization. Again, everything is about money, which right. is why yeah. we can put a piece of rolls on a on a TV all day because you you. And that's just, so. Think about it. When we were little, all these people they have cancer now. This is
1: the processed
0: food. So it's, think about yeah. it the food, right? So we have kids, a high number of kids with diabetes. Why? Yeah. Because it's the food. Yeah. So yeah. when we you know, people like, Oh, you in that conspiracy theory I'm just saying, let's look at the patterns here. Yeah. So even if you go back to slavery time, they were giving you the slops that's left over, right? right. So why do you think they're giving you much better food nah. now? They didn't care about you then right. and they was and you were considered property and they we wanna make money for them and built this country to them, right? So now that we're not enslaved in that sense of the word. Why do you think they're going to be like, oh, here's this avocado, and take this spinach and this broccoli, right. and and let's make sure that you come on there. So I
1: think that's really in part way like, because I think it go hand in hand with like the pharmaceutical company. Like it's it's, it's big money in keeping people sick. Yeah,
0: capitalism one oh one. Yeah, it's Every... big
1: money. It's big money in keeping people sick. sick. So the the more you know,
2: man, it's because a... grandma used to, grandma used to live in '95 eating eating Easy. that same eating that same. Them same greens, them same hands. But, the but I look at it like bananas, this.
1: different. Just growing up in that environment, bro. I still like, like I, I say that. I probably said this on here before. Like, even with making a, a decent living, I still have a lot of those bad eating habits. Mm-hmm. Like I've been able to cut I think some of them I out. Think this is a but like some of them, but you think about it, it's your early exposure to yeah. them that it's, it's a part of you now. Yeah. Where like my children like no nah, nah, they don't they don't, don't, they don't eat that. like i'm fruit first but like man, that's great but still me i'm like man i'm grabbing i'm getting them chips right there <laughs> like,
0: like wow why? well brothers i'm 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 gonna put this other psa out announcement you talking about food so black men we know y'all like to go to the doctors right I'm a we, I'm
1: there. Yeah, okay, I, I, but, I'm, but we don't as a whole. You as right. a
0: whole, you don't like. Luckily, I started
2: working at Penn because I wasn't one of the people that went. Right. but I go often.
0: And maybe John Singleton could be here, right, if he was dealing with his hypertension. Right? right. Um, y'all gotta go to the doctors. Yeah. Um, you gotta you gotta get checked and you gotta take care because technically, we, we black women need y'all, so we need y'all here. So please take care of yourselves and, and go to doctors, get your checkouts, eat right, exercise live right because it's so important that you be here to raise our kings and queens um that, that you brought into this world and we can't do this without you so yes, please that's please great that's that's so.
2: great to hear for sure great hear. um anything you want to chime in with young man you know, yeah i'm
3: fine I'm fine the teacher did a very swell job and i mean you you work hands-on with these students every day so i think you should well at least well hi everybody my name is ryan you know Ron Lee from uh working with Kenderton right now STS worker be be a Ralph worker however you want to put it and um yeah I'm in the schools with your children preferably North Philadelphia right now and um well like I said the teacher touched t- t- on everything I would have had to ask like as far as you know the trauma what is the um, like what is actually happening with the parents at home like what, what part are they doing at home um, but she more so pointing to the system. And that's the bigger problem. That's the biggest problem of everything is the system. So I really don't got too much to tap into so on that type time, unless you got some questions to ask me about what I do. Um,
1: does your role feel like it gives your your the student population you work with a stigma? Because it's only like, you know, maybe two of you in a
3: I, I a would few say of I would say like what do you mean by stigma? Like
1: like would they feel like kind of like an outcast because they have someone that's there to kind of
3: no actually like they more so i ain't gonna hold you like most of the students want me Like it's like a culture it's like a shock that i'm there like i guess even like because they got older older black males they got older hispanic males they got older white males but they don't they i ain't never see, see them receive uh them like how they receive me um, some of the more stern black males they do, but like uh, it's, it's really how you come in. So when I'm in there, I really like um, since I, I, I just came from a partial hospital, partial school program um, where I'm one to six with the children, not one to one. I'm one to six kids and um, just them, just them like, like I said, like uh, I'm losing it a little bit. I'm sorry just uh, what was
1: I? so you say most kids most kids want your help oh yeah so
3: most of them want to help like like, like I said I just feel like it's like a culture shock for them like they ain't never seen like nobody close to their age look like I still got my youth in me like everybody think I look like 23 or 24 you're not and (laughs) and I'm not and um yeah so they just be like yo you know do you go to school? You went to college? You got, a, you got a degree in this job? I'm like, yeah, I got my college degree. Yeah,
1: that's... They see
3: me with Vans on. They see me with fatigue on Milano or whatever it keeps me being. On. I'm like, yeah, I got all of this stuff. And then that gives them, like, more receptive to listen to me versus my colleagues that might have the same child if I'm absent or if it keeps me be they might be struggling with it. Yeah. So, right. I mean, I like just like you said, I encourage more, more uh, males my age to get in there and just be that symbol of, Yo, you can go to college. You can make something of like yourself, and also you can be like a mentor even to your own peers. Like you can inspire your own peers. So that's what I would give them. Okay. Well, so
1: be that teacher, bro. Why? Why don't we have more um, black males moving towards education as a career choice? Isn't
0: black males, is black, black people black people, need to be moving towards education. Um, primarily black males be um, not being there. Cause when you start looking about uh, looking at salaries and taking care of being able to take care of yourself and your family, that is a um, a big big variable in this in this right. game here. Um, and then you know society in general still doesn't teaching ain't sexy, right? So people be looking for Mr. Clark.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: people be looking for what's going what's going what's sexy and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but. What, it, what is But what I will say is that um, um, I need you to, to visit since you're in North Philly. I, I'm calling out uh, MEC again. My brother Herman Douglas teaches at Bethune. And at Bethune, there's like 13 or 15 black men teachers at that elementary school. And that's like the largest probably of black male teachers in one school in the district. And um, so I encourage you to reach out to him because um, so you can watch that, right? Okay. And um, have those conversations with those other brothers in there, including Herman, about what that looks like and how that feels and why you need to come over to the other side. Right. um, And so I'm going to encourage, I'm really encouraging you to do that because what I think that you get the perspective that he can give you from a black male's point of view, I can't give you. Just right. as we were talking about earlier about raising, you know, me trying to uh, teach a boy how to be a man, right? It's the same concept here. So I'm mean, gonna encourage um, you, Herman. I need you to reach out to this brother um, <laughs> at Kenderton and get him over to the other side.
1: We might um, need Herman up here. I might right. need, we might need to this from the black love perspective as well. Exactly. <laughs> um.
0: And his and his principal, Leah Bradley, is all for it. She's a good sister um, who's definitely in support of all that pieces. So. um, yeah, I'm going to invite you probably to come on out and okay. chat with us sometimes. We definitely do. that um, To make that happen. But we definitely need... So there is um, a demand that we have out um, for Black Lives Matter Week of Action. I'm also organizing for that. So that's one of our demands is, is for this black male educator um, push because you are sorely needed in the classroom. Sorely. And you made your point that you're young, you look like them, you look like, just like the guys that's on the, on the corner when they walk right. home. Mm-hmm. and But you're doing something different. Right. When you got that degree, and you here with them, and you working every day. Right. So they can look at you like, yo, I can still mm-hmm. look like you. and still, you know, weirdest." It like, drives them crazy you know, when they right.
1: ask you questions, and they be like, you do what? Like, right. they'd be amazed. Like,
3: they see you in the suit. They'd be like, What, you a lawyer? I'm right. like, they I'm even lawyer. talk. They even notice that you talk differently. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. a kid say, Like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Monument Park. What do you <laughs> mean? I'm from North Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm just it's, educated. That's it, so. all. Def, it's definitely crazy. And it, it goes to show that they definitely don't see it enough. They definitely don't. Um, and that exposure could definitely do something. So, all right, from the person that doesn't work in the education field, how can we make more of an impact?
0: So as community members, um, you know, you're taxpayers in the city of Philadelphia. You're invited to those board meetings. So you can pop up at those board meetings. uh, Usually two days before um, the board meeting is like the drop-off call to, like, sign up to speak. Speak. You start speaking out. Go out to these community organizations. Um, MEC does a monthly kickback. We have our next kickback uh, June 8th. At the Winfield Library Branch, we alternate between Winfield and um, uh, the Lehigh, the Widener Branch, and Le- uh twenty eighth and Lehigh. Um, but when you, if you're out there and you're running little leagues, talk to these parents. Just talk to every your friends got parent um, have our parents talk to them. Come out to the schools if you got some free time. Get your clearances, because you can't come into school without clearances, right? Mm-hmm. But get your clearances and say, listen, I'm here. I have one day a week. What can I do to make a difference? Because you go into a black and brown school and you have clearances and there's some programs or something you want to start, nobody really is turning you around unless they got something to hide. And then you really go in. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> right, but nobody's turning you because we are craving, craving, craving for for your help and assistance, you know, um, we have Men Who Cares that comes to Martin Luther King, um, and try to work with the brothers, and they go into Roosevelt Middle School and try to work with the young men. Um, they just got them some suits the other day. A couple of the boys got suits, um, walking them through this process of even how to put a tie on. So we think something so simple like that that's major for boys. Like yes. they didn't. You'd be didn't surprised know that. how
1: many grown men don't know how to tie a tie. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: I no. Know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I know. You know, sometimes I send a kid to somebody. like, I don't know how to tie a tie. I'm
1: like,
0: what? <laughs> right. um, you know, but my, my husband's often said that to me. A lot of grown men don't know how to tie a tie.
1: It's weird. And, I, I used to tie ties <laughs> for a guy that I worked with, and he just wouldn't take the knot out. He'd bring me like six ties at a time. I'd tie tie for him. Home. He'd be like, man, I'm going to need you again in a couple of weeks. He's charging, guys. It's right. But you just, you know.
0: Yeah, all those things of, you know, even how, even having conversations, uh, early in the year I had a conversation with uh, my classes, and one class in particular is is quite boy-heavy. And even how they look at black women, and some uh, of, this one class I was really, really bothered by, in my spirit I was bothered, because you know, if you if you just Instagram fly or Instagram reputation, that lack of respect, like, they don't put you in the same, like, well, if it's your mom or your grandma, oh, no, I see her different, but these other girls, they, they just want your money or they just sleeping with everybody. Like, this whole that's idea what I, that, that's, about teaching.
1: That's what I meant, though. That, that's solely what I meant. And I'm saying for all of us, you know, um, that's where we need to step up. And, like, you know, I know we got... a, a somewhere along the line maybe it's the 70s maybe it was the 80s this uh this rolling stone mentality became um very popular where you know you could procreate with somebody and you, then you just move on and everybody's disposable we need to remove that from our community as a whole because we need to cherish our black women um so they stop feeling so you know at times i think y'all feel worthless I'll
0: show you. i say, and i'm going to say i think that we are the only group of people who um our men can degrade us, and and no or not and no one speaks up for us. Sure, like you can't say because right. when white women cry, psh, we about to shut stuff down. And mm. like so when black women cry, oh you be all right. You 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 you, 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 out. you, you know you toughen it up mm. or you just overthinking. You imagining stuff. You so dramatic, but it, it, it can't be that dramatic. And we over we're doing too much. And then another um, group of people, they women, that have a problem then. You know, soldiers come out. That's we, what I. We, we need our. I our man our gotta do
1: to that, be man, because yeah, sure. our teenagers should not be looking at women. I hear that. I hear that so often. Where, you know, that man the way they talk about women. I'm like, man, women are the most beautiful thing in the world. What are you talking about, bro? Right. Are you talking about it like she's the scum of the earth? What are you talking about? Like, and I, I, you know, sometimes I think that's it'd be a lot of that trauma in there, though, where. They just don't know how to, you know, it's hard for us to show love because there's so much trauma. You don't even know how to give love mm-hmm. to somebody. It's, it's, it's crazy.
3: And that's
0: true because we, we don't necessarily see it growing up, Absolutely. Right? But we, we have to, we have as a community, we have to do so much better um, because these these that boys
1: will be fathers and they will have daughters. It hurts my heart because I got a daughter. I'm like, man, yeah. we're going to be weeding y'all out like crazy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You think you're knocking on my door with that nonsense what's up boy
3: <laughs> not not a hair son yeah.
2: quick uh, I, I i'm i work in a hospital so um a, a thing that i dislike uh, like a uh, when nurses they like uh mistreat their patients or they don't like they they really don't they're not there for the love of it right how do uh, do you see teachers like that <sighs>
0: So, um, I just had the pleasure of uh, speaking to some pre service teachers in Connecticut on Friday. Um, and that was the whole gist of my conversation is about teaching from a place of love. Right. Um, if there's no love, there's no justice. So, if you are in a career of nursing or you're in a career of teaching and you're doing this and not from a place of love, please leave, exit exactly. the stage, and do not That's how I feel. And, and it's so true. Um, and actually, one of the, the the topic that I want to do for my dissertation is basically on humanizing and healing um, pedagogy, um, because if you're not treating ch- children like humans, then what are you doing? Like, why are you here? So if it's just for summers off, because it can't be about the money. I right. know it can't be about the
3: money. <laughs> yeah. So if
0: it's about summers off or your parents, so you kind of you could be home with your kids. If that's the only reason you're doing, again exit the stage. And I've I've worked with colleagues in these years where I want to put my hands on a small of their back and push them out the door (laughs) and lock it, deadbolt it, and, like, do not enter, do not come back, do not pass go, you're not allowed. In fact, you're in exile, you know, Um, because that's a very real thing, um, the people not teaching from a place of love. Like, this job is... Teaching is not easy um, And if you're doing it And you don't like it right. um, I don't know how you get up every day to do it And I don't know how you lay down To sleep every night um, to, to, to do that You know what I mean So if you're not teaching from a place of love You need to go read some bell hooks You need to go read some um, uh, Bettina Love Shout out to Bettina Love Who's going to be our uh, keynote speaker At our conference this year um, we got to do more than survive. About abolitionist teaching, we need we need abolitionist teachers. We need y'all to fight the good fight for our kids. Right. All
1: um, right. right. Last last question. I'm sorry. Um, how big of a role do you think class size play in your ability to be effective as a teacher?
0: Um, class size is is important, um, and I'm, I'm going to go jump to elementary level first. So, if I have 35 kids in a room, and in elementary school, is about learning to read. And then as they get older, they're reading to learn, right? It, it shifts. But in elementary school, when we're learning to read, reading is such an intimate process. Um, I need you to sit down, and I need to read to you, and I need you to read, the child to sit back and read to me. I need to be able to hear and be attentive. Can't do that with 33 Can't do that with kids. 33. I um, so, I always tell parents please make sure your child can read. From at home, because if you're waiting for the school system to do it, it's not going to happen. Right. They're not going to be the strong readers that you desire or want them to be because it is such a intimate process. If they got more um, PlayStation games than you have books at home, please reverse that and start reading to your kids and make it a habit. Let them see you read. It's not what you say. It's also what, what you do. Say, mm-hmm. So when your child sees you reading, they will read. And when you're reading to each other and you create this this ritual, it helps them along in school. Um, so don't think that you you send your kid to school and they're going to learn how to read or they're going to learn how to write in a large classroom. Um, there are many elementary schools that are either private um, or in the suburbs where they have... 23 21 children in elementary uh, schools and they have two teachers in a classroom So that's pretty much 1 in 10 so I can do a whole lot more on with a ratio of 1 to 10 than I can with 1 to 33 So when you cut those resources and you take out these um, The resources that the children need and the teachers need to help them with the children You just again as a school system you then say, we do not value your child and we do not have this this money to do this. So you find all this money for other things, um, then you can find money for this. So, like, I'm paraphrasing roughly. Like, Nancy Mandela has a quote. You can judge a society by how well they treat their children. So if we look at how society treats black and brown children, we already know what they think about us. Yeah. So parents, you got to do this at home. Like, education... Starts at home. You are the number one parent, and it doesn't stop because you send them off to school. And I know life is busy, and we're trying to maintain jobs and houses and feed. We can still 15 minutes. We can find 10, 15 minutes to to read. You know, my mom used to um, my mom used to, you know, my music was big in my house with my mom, and um, I remember really good, the whispers. Olivia, come on, will come on. Mm-hmm. My mom said, Just shh. And listen. And what does it mean? And what is he saying? You know, so it was about prostitution, right? So she but she had me analyzing these these lyrics. And my mom would often do that with music, thinking. making me critically think about lyrics and what was actually being said. Um so those are things you could do in a car, you could do in a house while you are cleaning. So it doesn't always have to be I got to find time to sit down. You're in a car, you know, turn the radio off and have conversations about what you think is going on. Um, you know, Alabama just shut down abortion. So have that conversation in the car right. and what does that mean for women? Like, And specifically, what does that mean for black women and black poor women who live in Alabama? Right. So we can have all these different types of ways to dialogue and critically think with our children and we have to just do it in, in the means and the structure that kind of fits our life. But yeah. we can make the time to do that, so when we make the time to get our nails done, and our toes done, and our hair done, and, you know, have some happy mommy time, or I need a drink time, we gotta still find, and nothing's wrong with any of that, right. but we still gotta find time, you know, um, still moments of the day to spend those intimate times of learning with our children.
1: Absolutely. Anything you want to tell the people about that you got coming up, working on? Uh,
0: yeah. So working on. Send out all your positive vibes as I work on this dissertation. Woo! Um, this is crazy. But um, uh, Melanated Educators Collective have a happy hour tomorrow. Lou and Chews from 4 to 7 come out and support. We're selling fish I'm fry right tickets. Um, we're having our fish fry June 8th at Champagnes to support our second annual conference that is for black teachers, black parents, black community, black children. Um, to support. We have uh, Bettina Love coming out as our keynote speaker. you got to hear the sister. She's so down for the cause for our children. Um, and then June 8th is also a kickback at the Winfield Library uh, for MEC. So um, those are the, um, things that we're working on. We're also in collaboration with Black Lives Matter Philly. For any teachers out there listening, um, we have some mini-grants uh, that we are working in. Co- um, in cooperation with BLM Philly. So come out to hear about that. We're offering some money and some training and some learning uh, for teachers out there. So come out and hear about this work we're doing. Come out, support us, because we're really just doing this for, for our people, our community, our kids, our parents. Can we where, can,
1: find, where can they find... Go ahead, you
2: got it. Can you find, can you find any social media?
0: Okay, so on um, on Twitter, we are Melanatus Educated Collective. Um, on Instagram, we're Melanated Educators Collective. On what else am I missing? Twitter, oh, Instagram, Facebook, we're Melanated Educators Collective. And our website is www.melanatededucatorscollective.com. Um, and um, if you can't find that real quick and you need to find me on Facebook to connect with me, I'm Angie Girl on Fire, A-N-J-I Girl on Fire. So um, look me up, reach out, and I can always uh, make sure you get on our list, Okay,
1: great. Definitely. Thank you for taking the time. Um, it was a conversation we definitely needed to have on this platform. Anything we can do to support you in the future, please, we are here. Um, an event you need promoted, just, you know, shoot me a text. Thank you. We'll definitely uh, extend the platform and do what we can. Can
0: I shout out John?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I want to shout out John uh, Williams, who is the parent, the father of uh, one of my uh, students, Tamir Williams, so uh, good looking out. I had an article, um, fe- I was featured in Atlantic Magazine, um, that I shared with him, and that's how he got in contact with you guys, so thanks for reading it, thanks for um, allowing me to have this opportunity. Shout out to
1: my guy John, man, college <laughs> roommate, we go way back, man. Episode 30, we are of here until next week.
2: Some mistakes So to you other kids All across the land There's no
0: need to argue Parents just don't understand